Okay, on three, we'll do five. Okay. Hi, this is John DeLynn, and I am a douchebag. <laughs> this is Infants on Thrones. Baby steps. You want someone to preach to? The philosophies of men. I like magical toys. You want Mingled with humor. I don't believe in them. There will be many willing to preach to you the philosophies of men mingled with humor. We are evolving. Baby steps. Even by end, this world of money. The good in everything. Look for the people who will set your soul free. It always seems impossible until it's done. Look for the good in everyone. All right, welcome back to Infants on Thrones. I'm Glenn Ostland, and this is episode 781 Reflections. The Reluctant Atheist. And this is a conversation between myself and fellow former infants, or at least no longer actively podcasting infants, Randy Snyder, Matt Long, and Heather Craw, as we sat down with John DeLynn in May 2016, about a year after John's excommunication, to talk about shifting beliefs in God and the various labels that we use to pin each other down and what it means to self-identify as an atheist amidst all the baggage and biases around the word atheist and all kinds of stuff. It's a fun conversation. It's a fascinating discussion. But I've got to tell you, I really laugh at myself uh, between a lot of cringing as I listen back to where I was mentally and emotionally back in 2016. Now, we recorded this shortly before I moved from Indiana to Arizona, and that was a move that impacted my life in massive ways that I just, I simply could not see at the time. It feels like a slightly angrier version of me, a less tolerant version of me, and it made me recognize that, well, first and foremost, I don't really know what it is that I ever think that I really know, and because I know that, I want to be curious rather than judgmental. I want to be curious about what other people think and other people's perspectives rather than judgmental and go, oh no, that's wrong because it's not the way I see it. In other words, I'm trying to be like Ted Lasso. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day I was driving my little boy to school and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman, it was painted on the wall there, it said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. So I get back in my car and I'm driving to work and all of a sudden it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them were curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out and so they judged everything and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. Who I was had nothing to do with it. Because <laughs> if they were curious, they would ask questions. You know? Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? So, my apologies to John 
and to Randy and Matt and Heather for the many times in this episode where I interrupted them or I judged them for being wrong in any way because how they saw things were not how I saw things. I wish I would have been more curious. I wish I would have been more accepting of their different perspectives in this conversation. Okay, so live and learn, right? At any rate, I hope you enjoy this conversation. But before we get to it, there's one more reminder that I want to give you about the Thrive Conference in Arizona next weekend. It's on January 22nd, 2022. I'll be speaking and I'll also be leading a few interactive breakout sessions. So check out the website, Infants on Thrones, episode 781 for more details. And I'll also be pausing this 13-part Reflections series for the rest of the month of January because publishing three very long episodes a week so far this month has maxed out the monthly allotted server space that I have. So, you know, I'll keep publishing episodes on Patreon for those of you that are on Patreon. I've got some things around the Matrix that I really want to work out. Um, For those of you who aren't on Patreon, who are interested, please go and sign up. But it will be a few weeks before I reinstate this 13-part reflection series and then finish it out, hopefully in the month of February. I've got some fun things in store for that. All right? Okay, so there we are. Now let's get to discussion. Are you ready? Hang on. Hang on, on your On February something, 2015, Mormon Stories founder and frontman John DeLynn was stripped of his eternal standing as an eternally excellent offspring of Ephraim in the eyes of our eternally excellent Father in Heaven by that eternally excellent Father in Heaven's true and truly amazing, big and important, and solely authorized and empowered representatives on this earth. In other words, John DeLynn was excommunicated. That was then, but this is now. What is John DeLynn up to these days? Just how far has he fallen? Did that wolfy man with the wolfy voice ever take off his wolfy sheep's clothing and shine forth the blazing light of truth on who and what he really is? In other words... Is John DeLynn an atheist? Well, maybe technically, depending on how you define it. But, uh, I mean, does it really even matter? I mean, possibly it could apply, but, oh, hell. He's just a tall guy and a dad and stuff like that. Seriously, don't be stupid. Just listen in as Glenn and Randy and Heather and Matt catch up with our good buddy, John DeLynn. Fuck, fuck, no. The newly designated, reluctantly agnostic, sorta atheist. This is Infants on Thrones. This is Infants on Thrones. The philosophies of men mingled with humans. We are the core. Okay, this is a this is a clean recording now. Okay, yeah, cool. So nobody mentioned Kate Kelly. Yeah, so nothing that we said about <laughs> Kate Kelly is going to make it in. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy about that because I was really surprised what you guys said about her. I don't support it at all. <laughs> lean, lean into the mic, Matt. <laughs> it was still bad. Damn. Right. You got no discipline, man. 
I know. <laughs> Horrible. But behind me, I've got this little kind of psychedelic uh, wall going behind me. It's pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. All right. So, John, tell us about post-excommunication life. Oh, well, any, anything in particular? <laughs> yeah. what, do you, what do you want to know? How, how has it how has it changed you changed your life or changed your approach or anything like that? What's the well, impact been um, in five minutes or less? Okay, uh, <laughs> 140 characters. Yeah. So maybe to start with the hard stuff, I think I underestimated how difficult it would be on my children mm. to mm. to be raising them in Cache Valley, which is one of the most conservative counties in Utah. Um. And, you know, they, they lost friends, uh, you know, kids wouldn't, you know, wouldn't invite them over to their house anymore. Certain kids, uh, they just, uh, just were, were continually feeling like they couldn't shake, uh, people talking about their dad, making Twitter comments or Instagram things or talking behind their back. And it, it was a huge, uh, tax on their sort of happiness and well-being for probably a good year or maybe two. I don't know how long it's been, but... Can I ask you how most uh, TBMs in the area found out about you even being excommunicated? Yeah, I mean, it was... it was The, the Herald-Journal is just all over Cache Valley, and it was front-page stuff. I mean, if it's in the New York Times, it's going to be in the, the Herald-Journal. So... That that was the, the the main way is just through the newspapers, but also just people talk in a small town and the stake, and it was announced all through the stake, and um, you know the stake is covers a huge chunk of the high school territory that my kids you know attend. So and I don't mean to you know I'm not, I'm not asking for sympathy because I knew what I was doing, I, but maybe I just underestimated how hard that would be for, for a good six months, everybody was desperate to move out of our neighborhood. One of the hard parts was just all these people. We had been in this ward 11 years. Our kids had babysat kids for years and we'd grown close to a lot of families. And it's just, just imagine how you feel when you go to a ghost town. When we, when we would walk around the neighborhood, people would just kind of go back into their house and kind of stop waving, stop being friendly and just that eerie, chilly feeling of like being ostracized and marginalized by your by your local community. That that all happened, and no one, no one. In, I don't think anybody intended to be mean. It's just, what do you say? You don't have anything in common, and you don't want to get into stuff. And but, uh, so, sorry to that, interrupt you, John, but that it, I, it surprises me that that is taking place because you really didn't change from before to after. It wasn't like you became a different person or your stances or the things that you were saying changed really in tone. I mean, it really just was the fact of membership that changed everyone's willingness to associate with your children. Mm, yeah, I, th- I do think that the the brand of excommunicated apostate is a really... Uh, powerful brand to, to mark on somebody within Utah Mormon culture. So that, I think that is a huge deal. It really is like a scarlet letter. And I think that means a lot to people. I think that's one of the main reasons the church did it is they wanted to discredit me 
because I was having, you know, you, we we talked about this in my last interview with you guys. Part of my strategy was to reach as many people as I could and, and staying in and staying engaged and trying to have a moderate tone uh, was part of that strategy. And I also loved it and cared about it and genuinely wanted to make it better. But I also was trying to be strategic. And so I think they felt like I was just reaching way too many people. Uh, and so they had to brand me. And so, but, but also Heather, I, things did change for me in 2013 when Oaks gave that talk in the, in the October conference. We know that the marriage of a man and a woman is necessary for the accomplishment of God's plan. Only this marriage will provide the approved setting for mortal birth and to prepare family members for eternal life. We had thought that because of Mitt Romney that the church was going to back off the LGBT issues. And then Oaks gave that talk in October. And and that's when I just decided, that be, being anti-LGBT, Oaks was, and I just, I took off the gloves at that point. And that's when I decided I can't, I had always in Mormon stories tried to have this um, rule that I would never criticize the brethren and I would never explicitly denounce the church's truth claims. And after October of 2013, I started publicly criticizing Oaks and other church leaders on Facebook. And I started being willing to say, I felt like the Book of Mormon was fraudulent. And so that, that was something that, you know, changed prior to the excommunication. Wait, wait when, was your, when was your interview with Michael Coe? That was before 2013, wasn't it? Way before. That that would have been 2010. Yeah. No, so no, come probably, on. no probably 2011. Uh, uh, well, how come you didn't have that reaction? Because I had that exact same reaction, and I'm going to put words in your mouth where you said "fuck it." Um, I we, had that. We, do, we still have John uh, recorded saying "fuck." We could <laughs> use that. True. Fuck! 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 No. That's true. He's so, <laughs> he was so disappointed be- in me that I didn't say. Fuck. Um, but, uh, I had that, I had that exact same moment and reaction and follow up, uh, in the fall of 2010. Um, do you know what talk I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Packer, you know, why would a loving heavenly father do that to anyone? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess you just weren't quite in, in the right place then, or at least you weren't right, weren't ripe enough. You guys know that you guys know that, that I went back and forth you know, depending on what was going on in my life, I, I was really trying to make it work or I was really angry, but I, I went through those stages back and forth for 10 years, you know, did you so, lose, um, you, like your favorable contact? Cause you, you, you know, you always, um, kind of imply you have contacts within the church office building, or at least you did for a while. Is that, is that unfair? Well, I mean, I was able, I had two lunches with Elder Holland, um, and I, I, I was able to do one lunch with Marlon Jensen. And at, after the Daniel Peterson fiasco where I implicated Elder Holland as being the apostle who, who ultimately got Daniel Peterson fired uh, indirectly, uh, Holland and everybody just stopped communicating with me. So that happened, that happened in 2012 probably. But, uh, but no, my, my sources inside the church have grown since the excommunication. I, I get leaks every week, you know, mm-hmm. significant ones. The one I had last week was super interesting, you know. I don't. 
Yeah, I haven't heard. I don't know. Oh, I I was leaked. I w- so in June first, um, in June first, there was a. Uh, let me just go to my Facebook page and I'll pull it up. But on June first, there's a, a a committee called the something like the the work group on same sex attraction. Um, the, a meeting was held uh, with that committee, and and oh, uh, I did it, hear about this. An agenda. An agenda was published um, that, that gave all, that listed all the participants of the committee and what they were going to be discussing. It mentions who gave the opening prayer and who gave the spiritual thought and all the members of the committee. And then it talked about all the items to be discussed uh, in the working group. And someone leaked that to me, and I, so um, that's really see if you look at it, it talks about renovating the Mormons and Gays website. It talks about uh, possibly changing the for the strength of the youth pamphlet. Uh, it talks about changing the same sex attraction essay for the church. It talks about how to you know update the missionaries and are any of these changes good uh, from our standpoint? Yeah, I mean, what, th- there was actually a uh, a worksheet that was included with it, which was suicide suicide statistics for Utah. And it, it shows that the church is fully on notice that Utah is the fifth highest rate of suicide, youth suicide wow. in the country, that it's the number one cause of death for young people in Utah. You know, it just goes through and lists all these awful suicide statistics for Utah that are related to LGBT people. And that was apparently, according to my leak source, that that accompanied the agenda. So the church knows that there's a suicide epidemic and uh, this is sort of their response. And there's some there's some positive things. Like it says, SSA does not equal pedophile. That's a that's oh a, wow. Welcome, hey, welcome to 1985. <laughs> and it also says SSA does not equal transgender, which is good to know. Um, I'm glad they're getting the memo on that. Of course, we're offended that they're using the term same sex attraction at all. John, John Hamer says, says no. no. John Hamer says no. John Hamer says no. <laughs> yeah. Is uh, same-sex attraction still caused by masturbation? Such experiences can misdirect his normal desires and pervert him. (laughs) (laughs) They still, but bishops are still handing out that book. Isn't that why Randy's gay, though? Isn't that why Randy's gay? I masturbated so much (laughs) that I am so so gay. Men, masculine, manly men. But seriously, the miracle of forgiveness. It may be out of production, but bishops are still handing it out. Really? Yes. Ugh. No, I've, I've, yeah, but just to just to bring it back, I, I have so many people coming to me now sharing sharing private information just all the time. So um, I, with that excommunication thing, John, I wanted to ask if if you had to do it over again, would you resign in lieu of going through the excommunication and not being branded uh, an apostate in that way? No, no, I, I'm super happy with what I did. I mean, I, I, my goal has always been maximum exposure, maximum sunlight to the issues, to the church, to the problems. And of course, the, the cost of that is being accused of a media, you know, being called a media whore. And, but, but for me, I mean, the freaking transcript of my, as you guys well know, the freaking transcript of my, one of my meetings with my state president was published forever in the New York times. Like, 
how could you argue with the level of exposure? This my, my excommunication. That's our number I, one downloaded episode, <laughs> by the way, John. Yeah, it, it, it made was, that a musical. It, it made br- the New York Times breaking news. It was world news. And if my goal is sunlight on the church, I think that was exceeded anyone's expectation. So, well, no, it was, although, and also although, it was a huge. Uh, I mean, I just, I just think for me, just quietly walking away lets the church off too easy for for me. I know other people aren't in the position to ha- want to or be to be able to go through, you know, the the trouble and the pain. But for me, it, I like what Brett Metcalf said. It was almost a sacrament. Um, it was it provided me a lot of closure. Uh, it helped. It, they were so awful that it validated all my decisions because it just, they re- they revealed themselves as just total, just inhumane r- robot bureaucrats. There was no Christ like anything in the whole proceeding. And so didn't, for me, didn't they go it, like shirts and skins and six of them were for you and six were against you. No one ever, no one, none of the, none of the high council ever said a word the entire time I was in the room, not a word. You didn't have an advocate. There was no one who ever spoke. It was it was only the state president who spoke, and it's he, a kangaroo read, court. <laughs> he read he read a transcript that was prepared for him. I'm assuming by Curtin and McConkie because he never he never strayed from reading the transcript of the proceedings, and he told me just what he told Jeremy Runnels: you you are not allowed to ask us any questions. You are on, you are on trial, not us. And uh, so we will not be answering any of your questions, so don't bother asking. You will be given one hour, and any question you ask is going to be detracted from the time that we give you. So you're just wasting your time, basically, is what they said. So See, I'm wasting my time anyway. What am I, <laughs> yeah, what am I well, getting no, out of this hour of you reading something to me? <laughs> I mean, for me, for me, I have this hope that what I said would somehow reach some of the High counselors, you know, some Alma. like like a yeah. Benadai, a Benadai moment, and I, I think I wish I had recorded. I wish I had recorded it. Did I'm they? Shocked. Did they? Shocked you? you didn't, John? Shocked. Well, I, I I brought my recorder and I and I was going to record it, and honestly, my wife asked me not to. Uh, uh, I, I wanted because I, mean, I know you record. I mean, like like me, you have the reputation of recording everything. I don't record everything, but I record anything that um, I feel like could be used against me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, but I don't record like if if a if a client if someone comes to me with a problem and it's their private secret stuff, I don't record that. You know. Sure. Oh, sure, sure. But we had a we had a uh, conversation. I mean, I was a part of a I think a group of people where we were talking about the legalities of it and who owns the privilege and all that. And so I, I just assumed that based on that conversation, there was. There was no way it wasn't being recorded, but yeah. but with, with Margie, I, I totally understand that. I mean, that's the only the only other reason I didn't record it is because they made me sign a piece of paper promising that I wouldn't, and I I just had a I, I just wondered, do I want to lie, and how would it look if I'm lying? Oh, explicitly? but see, John, you just should have signed your temple name. And I know. As I soon as they excommunicated you, they invalidate that document <laughs> itself, or a line item veto. Yeah, cross it out. No, I thought about that. I I don't know. I I think I was trying. I tried my best to 
to hold a higher ground. And I, for some reason in my mind, I just felt like that was the honorable thing to do. Well, and it sounds like if if it was just a letter that was read, it probably wouldn't have been all that juicy anyway. It was not juicy. It was totally cold. It was cold and mechanical. And that in and of itself is juicy to some people, but You well, know. you you, you mentioned you mentioned your kids because um, yeah. you made it you made a decision that affected their lives. You know, because you're, you're saying that you, you you know you don't really have any regrets about doing it. But um, have have there been has there been any resentment from your kids or any uh, tension from your kids? Oh, there was about a, you making that decision. There was a year and a half of tension in the sense that um, it just made their lives really awful for a time. I, I know, um, but did did they resent you? Yeah, there's been, there have been moments where they were very resentful, um, probably for a year now. What, and what's their what's their status? I mean, has your family resigned, or are they so my, still on record? My wife, my wife Margie, resigned the day after I was excommunicated. Okay. She said the experience was so awful, and she felt like, uh, in solidarity, it's what she felt was morally right. Yeah. So she resigned the day after. Um, my oldest daughter resigned last kind of November-ish. Uh, when the, I, I, don't, I don't know if it was right before the policy or right after, but I think she did some LGBT allies training at Utah State as a part of being uh, an RA, a resident assistant in the dorms. And she felt like having her name on the records of the church uh, was giving her sort of indirect endorsement of, and she just didn't want to be on associated by name with them so she resigned and we 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 didn't she didn't tell us she just did that we we would but have she, never she's what, she's like 19 she's 20, 20 20 yeah and then the other three kids are are officially members but but they uh they don't attend sometimes one of my daughters will attend with friends if there's like if her friend is like singing in church she'll go with her kind of thing but is that their choice to have their names still in or is it just you just haven't brought it up with them no, we 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 believe strongly for ten years that we want to do our best to not make our journey our kids' journey, and so we when I when I didn't want to go to church, I still would support them going. When when I went back to church, but they were out, I didn't pressure them to come back. We 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 know that as parents we influence, but we just felt and still feel really committed. If if this day one of our kids said, "I'm going back to church." And I'm marrying the temple. I swear to you, we would say we fully support you and love you because we we just really believe in not and uh, in, in letting our kids be who they want to be. So, yeah. well, I, I, you know, I, I I relate to that to a degree because we when we resigned, we did resign with our kids, and part of the reasoning was just that so they can make their own decision, and if they choose to be rebaptized, yeah, yeah. they've they've got to go through that process. When at whatever point, whether it be now or eighteen or whatever, and and I absolutely would support them. I wouldn't like it. I'd encourage them not to. I think I could provide compelling reasons why not to. But if they really did choose to do that, they would. But I wanted to make sure that because I made that decision for them when they were eight, I felt it was my responsibility to r- correct that and put them back to where we begin. And if they if they want to go forward, then they'd have that opportunity. Yeah. What, what's your thought on that, John? No, oh, that that makes perfect sense. I just maybe I don't know. Validate our, me, John. Validate. I me. do. Are our kids different ages? Um, like, well, I got. I had a when we resigned. My daughter was was eighteen or okay, 18, so similar. Just yeah, eighteen, nineteen, and then I had a fifteen year old and then an eleven year old at the time. 
when I was excommunicated, like one of my daughters was still Beehive president and another one had just been released as Laurel president. Like, I think my kids, they, they really love the church. And so I think it, I think for us at the time, it, it just would have been, it was too, we were active up until they called the disciplinary council. Like that's how we were, we would still probably, I don't know if we'd be active today, but you know, maybe November would have kicked this out, but if November hadn't have happened, we would still be active today. So it was just, we liked it too much, honestly. And so we, I don't think for our kids, it would have been the right, but yeah. for your kids, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, that- in Cache Valley, I, I, I totally see a difference being yeah where you are versus even though I'm in Mesa, it's, it's, that's night and day. I mean, oh, no, it's totally. 80% LDS here. Yeah. Not 10%. Yeah. Uh, so John, your, your dad's an interesting guy and, and he lives in Cache Valley. How's, how's he uh, responded to all this? Cause he's still a believer as, as far as I know. Right. He's, he's all, you know, he's the guy who didn't want me to go on a mission. He, he always told me he hated the temple. He told me that that the Book of Mormon was not that interesting. It was the New Testament that mattered. He he wanted me to come home off my mission when things got hard. So he's been he's always been an unorthodox guy, but he's just a big believer in Christ and uh and he's freaking I swear to you, the guy's eighty two. Um the church shovels his the snow off his driveway twice a day. Uh, the other day I couldn't, you know, the airport's an hour and a half from where we live. I couldn't go pick up my dad, his home teacher. And he was arriving at midnight. His home teacher put his four young kids in the van. They fell asleep and his home teacher drove an hour and a half to pick him up from the airport. Cause I couldn't do it. Like I want him to stay a member. I, I don't want to have to do all that crap. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I, I am there for my dad when he needs me, but would I rather have, you know, five, 200 people also there to look after my dad. That's a, that's a great deal when he's 82. So anyway, he, he just, the church makes him happy and he's gone through some, you know, stuff in his life where he hasn't always been happy. And so like, I'm just like, God bless you. If if this makes you happy, dude, whatever but, makes you happy. But you, you, know? be, you being X didn't really change anything for him. You know, he testified at my disciplinary council and so did my mom and so did my brother. And, uh, they're all still active, um, and I think it made him sad. But b- religious belief is incredibly resilient, you yeah. know. It, it, that is so, so interesting, John. Is, is they can watch someone who they love and care about and like as well be treated that way and, by, by an institution that they're loyal to, and still say, "Yeah, no, I'm, I'm still okay with the institution." That 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 isn't that does highlight the the power that. Uh, that religion has. No, it's really did they, bizarre. Did they, John, did yeah. they feel like you were poking, poking the church? You were yeah. provoking them, and yeah, I was. Yeah. So yeah, they did. <laughs> so so I, I guess I'm I'm saying it's not that strange to me as as Matt was saying that you know they 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 watch what you've been doing uh, for all these years with Mormon stories and saying careful, careful, careful. And then yeah, we told you so, kind of a thing. That, that's how I would imagine they would be responding to it. We that's love you, true, but, but they thought it was the wrong thing. That was a bad move on the church's part. They thought it wasn't smart, and I think it still made them sad. Yeah, even if they thought I may have deserved it or asked for it, you know. So should we transition over to uh, topic? Well, I just can I just say one last thing? Yeah. One last thing. 
what, what, in spite of all the hard stuff, I think the most important message is how amazing things are. So I can say with crossing my heart, you know, things could fall apart tomorrow, but my marriage with Margie is by far the best it's ever been. We're, we're totally in love with each other. We're solid. We, we really enjoy each other now. We have more intimacy and more connection than we ever have. All my kids are individually now very healthy, thriving, you know, doing well in school, having great friendships, very happy that they're out of the church and thriving uh, in all the right ways. Um, I love my Sundays. I, I used to wonder if I'd always feel guilty on Sunday. I love my Sundays now. And I love not wearing garments. And I love coffee. I drink coffee every day. It helps keep me regular. My, my, movements, my movements are outstanding. Uh, I haven't tried alcohol yet or marijuana. Uh, maybe someday I will. But I'm just telling you that it's it's like... Remember, there's a Simpsons episode where kids start stop watching TV for like a day, and all of a sudden they all go outside and start skipping rope, and a rainbow's come down, and it starts raining jelly beans, and uh, that's a mockery because you know life is still hard and there are challenges, but honestly, it feels that good to be out of the church. Well, it's it's all counterfeit, John. You know that. <laughs> well, I don't I don't know if it is, and I, I mean something that I'm curious about, John. Do, do you feel? Like God approves of the path that you're on and the, the choices that you've made? This feels like a segue. <laughs> <laughs> Shut oh, up. That's a oh, oh, you caught that, huh? <laughs> oh, uh, no, I don't feel that. I don't feel anything at all about God. <laughs> so so ba- basically, wh- whether God, whether there is a God or whether he or she or it or whatever has an opinion on you or not doesn't really matter to your daily life no not at all i don't even think about it i think there's a so word for that randy the word is is six on the docking scale yeah right <laughs> <laughs> let's jump in shall we <laughs> before we jump in what's it what, what does it feel like john to just have a random fucking thought and have hundreds of people respond i'm just wondering you guys have that. What's that week? power? That, that, that's a that, that's a tremendous power you have. You guys know that you have the same thing. No, we don't. Yeah, you do. There are dozens of us, John. Dozens. <laughs> we have dozens a lot of times of just the same thought followers. over and over again, too. <laughs> yeah, we're on a loop. <laughs> no, you guys know everything. You guys are in the same world I'm in. Uh, I don't know. I I mean, honestly, I feel. I, I feel like we're getting further and further away. You know, so that that uh, that chart that that you posted that 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 friend of yours drew, like of all the the, the circles right. of the different groups, the many Mormonisms and stuff. Like, I, I feel like I'm getting so far away from any of those bubbles anymore. That, that sounds uh, healthy. <laughs> yeah, but but at the same time, kind of disconnected. You know, so so the when you said something earlier about your sources that were telling you things, you know, like what happened on June 1st, like I'm so unplugged. I have no idea anymore on those things. Well, but yeah, that's interesting because I like, um, like honestly, if someone offered me a hundred dollars to read a, a book on Mormonism, I would turn it down. Like I, I so don't care about Mormon history anymore. I never talk about Mormonism yeah, by my own choice, people always bring it up, but 
I feel that way a lot. I the only difference is to just I I I feel fortunate because I I really want to help people in the transition. That's kind of I feel like that's a calling for me. And so I all that I do is purely mission focused now. It's actually not genuinely of of much personal interest to me anymore. So maybe maybe we're not as dissimilar as you think. It's yeah. just that this is my job, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So and I and I it's it's a tax I'll pay to be able to have people tell me you gave me my life back, you know. And I wanted to ask this a similar question which was do you ever see yourself just stopping these conversations or not engaging in uh whether it be these leaks or what's what's happening in the day-to-day operations of the church. I mean, do, it, it, don't you let me ask it this way. Do, don't you feel that that's a little taxing, that that's draining, that at some point you just want to throw your hands up and say, I can help people without it being Mormon centric. Or, or, or take this, take this cup from me. What's the, <laughs> <something>? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> no, no, I, 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 uh, I, well, just to back up, I tell my, you know, I finished my PhD in August and I, the open stories foundation pays me a modest salary now from Mormon stories. And I get to just wake up every morning, walk down into my basement and literally do whatever I want to do. I could take a coaching call to help someone through a crisis or to save a marriage. I can record a podcast with someone really interesting. I can organize an event where I go down to Salt Lake and bring a couple hundred people together and I don't. I don't mean to brag, but I. I tell my wife every day that I feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world because I, for right now, I get paid to do exactly what I want to do. And and but, um, but it's but it's inextricably tied to Mormonism. And in, in many yeah. ways, don't you think that's a, those are chains rather than freedom? Well, well, uh, you know, people say you know, just today, my sister who you know works for Fair is trying to convince me to leave Mormonism behind. And the way she does it is to say, you could be so much bigger. You could, you could, you know, you could help the whole world instead of just this little branch. And, you know, there's a part of me that's saying, yeah, you just, you just want me to shut up because I'm causing the church problems. But, um, but, but, but honestly, do you, you guys remember when John Larson decided he was going to, you know, do a secular podcast for, for the broader world instead yeah. of Mormon yeah. expression? Mm-hmm. You remember what happened to that? Yeah, I don't. I didn't Wait a minute, it's still going strong, isn't it? <laughs> no, and I, I don't mean to disparage him. I'm sure it was brilliant, but not everybody can just tell the world, "Hey, I'm here, and I've got interesting things to say." Um, you, you kind of have to come out of a context, and I don't think, you know, I, I just think sometimes I feel like maybe that'd be fun to try, and I, I play with that idea a little bit. But, um, but I just, I just want to be relevant. And if I, if I know that I can change more lives by doing something bigger, I would make that change, but I'm not arrogant enough to assume that just because I, I told the world, Hey, I'm here, I'm coming after you, that people would care. There's probably a lot of people that would go, who are you and why should we listen to you? And, um, I'm just not so convinced yet that, that that would work. Uh, I, I would I would disagree with Matt in in characterizing it as chains. I would say that you found a very uh, comfortable niche, but a niche that is also um, uh, affords you the opportunity to make a, a lot of change, like real change in real people's lives. 
Um, well, but it's also like your, your PhD. You know, you, you've been studying a discipline for a certain number of years, and you've developed an expertise. So what if you took that PhD and did something like uh, dentistry? You know, you, you can't just like switch to something that you don't have the expertise in. And, and Mormonism is your soup. That, that, that's, that's where you've got your expertise. And I think that's that common, cause I, I've had these conversations with Matt recently, you know, getting tired of Mormonism. Are there other things that we could do? I'm just like, I, I don't, I don't know what, what I'm good for other than reflecting on my own experiences with Mormonism. And I don't even know how good that is. Yeah. I think you guys, you, you guys are, I mean, I'm on the show because I see how much of an impact you guys have. I honestly, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I don't, I try not to waste my time and you guys make a big difference and that's why I'm on the show and I respect what you guys do. And, you know, who in the world gets to say they made a big difference in people's lives and what's an issue that affects people's lives in a more significant way than a, than a conservative sort of stifling religious experience. And so I think I see this as sacred. I, I don't mean to sound cheesy. I'm 11 years into this and I see this as really sacred work. And every day you and I and other people who are in this business get to have people say that we, we changed their lives. We saved their lives. We prevented suicide. We prevented divorce. We, we helped improve mental health. We gave people freedom. And, you know, I, I don't think that's a trivial place to be. I just know? like it when people say that they spit coffee out of their nose while they were driving. Yeah. <laughs> something. Well, even that is you're touching people. You're, you're making them laugh. You're, you're helping them feel good. You're entertaining. And that's special, too. Well, the main, the main uh, sentiment we get is that people say we help keep them sane. Because a lot of people out there in that world... And uh, you know, if you if you left John, that would be, be such a void that we that to to be filled. I, I think it would it would be really detrimental to the post Mormon, um, you know, just platform. But and quite uh, frankly, I wish John Larson would have stayed around because me too, yeah, me too. He did really good stuff. Me too, yeah, me too. I mean, I John, think that every day, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's really unfortunate because he's he is is really talented, a really talented guy. He's but brilliant. he's yeah. Brilliant. yeah um, uh, shit, forgot my point. Um, yeah, you might derailed me. Oh no, that, that's. I was gonna say the main sentiment we get is that that people, people that feel alone, um, yeah. feel like we are help. We help them through that transition to keep their sanity. And, and that when you know, I get that a lot, and it we get that a lot, and it's um, that that's what keeps me doing this. Still talking about this goddamn church. Well, yeah, you know, humor is so important. Uh, and we just forget everything's so serious. And part of your guys' brilliance is that you just bring humor to things. And well, we try. That's huge. We're not that's, as funny as we think we are. I, I get that, but and we've been told that many times. <laughs> uh, people love your humor. <laughs> well, this is this has been good for me because I really have have been have been a week away from just packing it in and not doing the podcast anymore. But um, because I want to be done with Mormonism, I want to not. Think about it, monitor it, uh, talk about it, and and I wondered if it would be healthier for me if I don't. But I do keep coming back to a lot of the things that everyone's saying, and we, like Glenn said, we've been talking about this uh, a little bit lately. And so this is good timing. This is 
this is uh, I'm I feel, I'm feeling more and more re-energized. So <laughs> wow. I would say though that our experience is more generalizable than we're making it out to be. You know, Mormonism, yes, it has very strange and peculiar doctrines, but the experience of leaving, as John says, a conservative stifling religion is really the same experience no matter which brand is on the religion that you leave. If you listen to like a podcast like Life After God, it's people telling all the same stories that John told about the ostracization, about um, kids losing friends, about people not knowing how to talk to them, uh, people assuming that they're no longer trustworthy in business, people assuming that they're no longer moral people because they left the religion behind. And there, even though we appeal to people who come from the same background that we do, and the the label Mormon is an entree into understanding each other, our experiences are common and they're more and more common in the U.S. every year. Yeah, yeah I think that's a really good point. And, and it surprises me when we get feedback, as, as we do from time to time, from listeners who've been listening for a long time that stumbled across our podcast for one reason or another, but have no connection to Mormonism. Yeah. Right. And, well, and just, it still represents them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. John, do you have a sense for how many of your listeners or people who who even who interact with you at all are, are never have never been Mormon or not don't have family members that are? I think I get at least an email a week from like a some Jewish person in you know New York or a Catholic in Texas or uh, I haven't ever got like a Scientologist really or Seventh Day Adventist, but yeah, I, I evangelical psychotherapists who who treat mormons um yeah i professors who follow religion i think i get a couple emails a week uh do you ever get a psychotherapist that's completely baffled by their mormon client (laughs) yeah and and yeah a lot of it is just you know i I was talking to um someone today and they're married to a non-member and and they, the, 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 the spouse just doesn't get why they're angry all the time, why they're talking about this all the time, why they're obsessing right. with it. And a lot of therapists are just like, get over it. Just leave the church. Like, what's so complicated? So, yeah, a lot of therapists listen as a way to get empathy for why their clients are having such a hard time leaving it behind. Huh. If that makes so, sense. So how, you know... I don't know if we want to segue into the the topic, which is want to keep going because it's been fun. But I am. How do you identify yourself then? I mean, what that is it, your that, relationship? That's the segue. Let, let's let's read the let's read the post that that John put on his Facebook page. Then SmackDown. inspired this whole thing. Yeah, it's too yeah. short for a SmackDown. We're not going to read through all the comments. But, uh, but John has to smack it down himself, right? <laughs> okay. John needs to read it as Heather doing a John impersonation. Hello and welcome to another edition of Infant Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Jane Delane, and we're super excited, as always, because today we're going to be talking with somebody named Sage. Um, That's his real name. It's a dude, I swear. And we're going to ask him about his life in the church and his work with Mormon Allies website and his disaffection. It's going to be super exciting. And then in the seventh hour of unedited footage, we're going to ask him about why he's resigning his membership from the church. But before we get to any of that, let me start with the most important question for you, Sage. I think all of our listeners are wondering, and that is, uh, what do you think of me? When you first heard my podcast, 
was there anything charming or interesting or engaging or challenging or wonderful or fantastic about me that really drew you to me immediately? Let's talk about that. <laughs> I would love to hear that. Yeah. You're hard to do the voice. You, you have what is known in the singing profession as a woofy bass. <laughs> and that's very hard for a woman to do. Wait, what's the adjective? Woofy. W O O F Y woofy. I thought it was oh, woofy. Not woofy like like a wolf. <laughs> <laughs> it's wolf like your dog. Woof woof woof. No 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 no. Well, anyway, pl- pray continue. Am I reading it? Yeah, you, it's John doing a Heather doing a John impersonation. Heather, do do. I want to get it in my ears. So Heather, imitate me for just a second. <laughs> oh gosh. Um. <laughs> We're very glad to be. We're going to have a wonderful discussion. It's just going to be great. I can't do it. I don't know. <laughs> oh Why? no, no, no! You were just getting going. You were right there. <laughs> oh, I wish I. Oh, okay, if only I had my Facebook open, I'd read it. No, please. I, I'd rather hear John's in, um, his impression of me. Okay, of, of you. Sure. <laughs> oh no! I, I uh, this is too meta. Just read it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't think that I will ever identify as atheist or agnostic while i have tons of respect for those who do parentheses tis not an easy lot close parentheses here's my reasoning if religion is made up slash man-made dot 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 then it doesn't deserve a portion of my identity after all i don't self-identify in reference to hobbits or elves or trolls so why self-identify in terms of religious non-belief how about truth seeker is an identity? Your favorite way to self-identify? Question mark. And that's the end. So what what inspired that? Um, man, I would have to think back as to what was going on that day. Uh, it was like three days ago, man. It's like June second. June second. Yeah, but it was twelve posts ago. <laughs> no, five <it was> <laughs> posts ago. Um, I don't know. I think. I don't know why I said that. Uh, I don't remember what was going through my brain, but I can tell you what, what comes to mind now. Um, I think that uh, I think that I'm always thinking about how to be effective with people and how to not turn them off. And I know that I'm really polarizing sometimes and that that's inevitable for me, but I think I was thinking about how limiting the terms are because people are just willing to to just uh, ignore you or blow you off or dismiss you if you assume those labels. I also think I was just thinking about just how stupid it is that that some dude makes this claim that he saw some supreme being uh, 200 years ago. And, and, you know, I think it was, now it's coming to me. I think I read some paper about how some church historian had found some document about Joseph Smith and how he had come to some insight. And I'm like, holy crap, like some farm boy (laughs) claimed to have some experience 200 years ago and we're all still talking about it. (laughs) Like we're obsessing about it. There's a whole Mormon history association every year obsessing about the documents and, and claiming to uncover new things and, and everybody's gathering around on Sundays, rehashing statements about statements about statements about stupid, fictitious stuff that happened 200 years ago. And I thought, this doesn't deserve the attention that it's getting. 
And so I'm just, it's so ridiculous that I'm not going to ever let it be how I identify myself because it's so fictitious and not worthy of my identity. I, I, I've studied, I, I did some academic research on identity and I really think identity is sacred. I, I think about one of the most violent, awful things I think the Mormon church has ever done is tell these beautiful, you know, Hispanic, Native American, Latin American people that they're descendants of some freaking fictitious story that Joseph Smith cooked up, you know, 200 years ago. And it's a bad story that's really shaming and, 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 and self-loathing and racist. And now all these people are like calling themselves Lamanites and identifying with this fictitious group and thinking of themselves as like, re, re, you know, rehabilitated evil people who, who were dark and loathsome instead of really believing their Mayan heritage or whatever it is that they were innovative and creative and resourceful and beautiful and, and interesting. I just think that's one of the, you know, Screwing with people's identity is one of the most violent things I think you can do. And so I'm just, it's just a way to say, screw all that. Fuck all that if you want me to say that. John, well done. And uh, I'm just not going to let it have any part of my identity. So So, why did you leave with atheism and agnosticism? Um, I, I, you know, because obviously I'm, you know, there's a part, there's a, part of which I'm culturally Mormon. So I don't want to say I'm not culturally Mormon in some ways, but if, 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 if I was going, if I was going to New York and the United Nations sort of was asking me my identity, which of course wouldn't happen, I would not list Mormon or post-Mormon. I would, I would, I would list a lot of other things. So I guess for, in a global sense, I don't think of myself, I don't, think of Mormon as being a key part of my identity anymore, even though I'm still playing in this space. And so I guess the next step is whether I even think of myself as a Christian, which I don't because I, 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 you know, I don't, I don't buy into the divine nature of Jesus anymore. And so then it just goes to God and I don't know. It's just all crazy and stupid. I think really. So you you don't want to be hitting on the fact. I'm sorry, go ahead. You're hitting on the fact that um, identity is contextual. You have different identities within different groups. And so it's, do you, what kind of term would you use on Facebook about your beliefs? If, or would you even define yourself about your beliefs? But that might be different than what you would say to a client who assumes, as so many people do, that um, a therapist is unable to have empathy unless they have a commonality with you about basic beliefs. And so they want to know your beliefs, thinking that they need to, have, they need to understand those to know that you'll be able to understand them. So while you may not be, you know, want to use any religious moniker at all on your Facebook page or when you visit the UN, apparently, um, <laughs> y- you're probably going to be asked those kind of questions. What are your beliefs? And it, we are asking them to you right now, right? Because, we, because people who are in this space want to know what your religious beliefs are, actually are. Yeah, well... Um, or are not. As far as my career goes... Uh, I guess it, I guess the the way that everything went down, anyone who would look to me kind of already knows kind of where I stand or may, has all these assumptions. So 
I don't know. I think I think I'm for the audience that I'm trying to work with. I'm way past the point of being able to feign neutrality or objectivity in the sense of, you know, hiding who I am. So I guess there's a degree to which I, I just I can't worry about that neutrality thing in the sense of how I portray myself. I can say that I'm very committed to the to the ethic of being neutral when I deal with my clients. And so right. it's very common for me to, if a client wants to believe, to say, you need to believe then. And if they want to be in the church, I say, you should be in the church. And just to be supportive of whatever their values are. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that, uh, and I don't get out of Utah a lot. And I, I deal with Mormons mostly nowadays because I, I used to work for corporations that weren't Mormon, but now I don't. And so I'm in such a Mormon world that I just kind of assume everybody knows who I am and that we don't need to have that discussion about what I believe anymore because everybody just kind of either knows or assumes. So I don't know. I don't think I'm answering your question very well. Well, but rather than having them assume, do you feel that you have put it out there as to to what your beliefs are in relation to God? Um, No, I probably haven't. So let me do that. Why don't I do this? Should I do that? Yeah. I'm interested. Yeah. Okay. So I, 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 uh, the, um, so I'll just give the disclaimer that how I want to identify in terms of how I describe my identity is separate from how I would describe my religious beliefs. So obviously, what I'm going to describe is going to sound very agnostic, but that doesn't mean that when I pick 20 words to describe myself, I'm going to choose agnostic as one of them because I think religion isn't worthy of the top 20 descriptors for my identity. That's just how I feel. And so, yes, I don't think anybody knows uh, if a God exists or not. So I think everybody's agnostic in that sense. And I, I don't, I don't see any evidence for a personal God and anything more nebulous than that doesn't feel worthy of even our attention because it's just too, too nebulous. And so I, uh, I just don't think it's relevant or interesting to talk about uh, belief in God because it just it just seems kind of silly and um, just fictitious. Now, but, you know, okay. I guess in theory it's possible there's a God, and so it's I'm, I'm not I don't you know I'm not going to do oh there's no God because I just think no. that's right. Stupid. Um, <laughs> that's why. Yeah, that seventh category on the Dawkins scale, which actually isn't the Dawkins scale, it predates him, is a shell category created solely to be symmetrical with the first category, which which is I 100% am positive that there is a God because no reasoning person will say that they can disprove the negative and they're 100% sure that there is no God. So it's just an empty category. Six is the highest anybody really gets. Yeah, and, and but, but I'm going to play Bob here. I want to push back a little, <laughs> and I want to double, double click, click on uh, what I thought was was not a, a fair analogy using hobbits and unicorns, because virtually 100 percent of sane people in America don't believe in hobbits or unicorns, but like I don't know, 85 percent of Americans believe in God. And it plays a very significant role in American politics. So um, I, I, one of the commenters I liked, he said, you know, if, if this was 1860, I would identify myself, identify myself as an abolitionist. But you, nobody needs to identify themselves as an abolitionist today. Um, uh, but it, 
so to me, it's a relevant, it's a relevant issue. It's, it, it does matter. Um, and, and I really think that it's important for this uh, secular community to get a, more of a voice and stop, you know, giving religion such a, pro, uh, you know, privileged position where, where you can't even uh, get elected office unless you pass a religious test, which is against the Constitution. But it's just this, this, this thing that exists in our culture that you can't openly say, yeah, I, look, I'm, you can't even say I'm, I'm agnostic. Um, you know, you have to quote a scripture. Even Hillary Clinton talks about God. Obama talks about God. Um, so this is a relevant issue. It's not. It's not as trivial as I don't believe in hobbits. That would that, be where I'd push back. I think Randy. America. I'm going to speak for John here, even though he's right here, capable of doing it. I think John's saying he can do that. He can advance secular ideas without saying I'm an I'm atheist or I'm agnostic. But. Uh, I, I would I would question that. I would question whether or not it would go quicker if more um, people that had secular views, uh, as far as it came to religion, uh, were more open about it, and then exemplified uh, living a good life and 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 removing the stigma. How are we going to remove the stigma if people aren't open about this? I mean. Yeah, you could also argue that the term atheist or agnostic itself contains the idea that religion is not worthy of uh, consideration. You could say that by proclaiming yourself an atheist, that is exactly what you're saying, that, it, that religion isn't worth your time. Well, uh, and, and, and I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is, is well, John, are you familiar with Neil deGrasse Tyson's position on, uh, on this very issue? Yeah, it came out in the thread a bit, yeah. Yeah, so he, he said something very, very similar, which was, I, I don't really interact with golf, so I don't identify myself as in any way associated with golf, either for or against. So he took a different position than the, uh, than the hobbits or the elves or those in, in use golf. He says, I'm, I'm a scientist, uh, I'm other things, but I, uh, I, uh, there's no reason to identify as, as atheist. He did go further. He, so, I mean, but he is atheist. <laughs> Well, yeah, exactly. see, this this is the problem I I have with that that reasoning, and even I, I I sense this in in you, John, that you're saying, you know, if you're going to go by the common definition of the term atheist or agnostic, then yeah, I'm atheist or agnostic, but I don't want to claim that for other reasons. Like, the, there's there's something, and maybe it's part of this political thing that you were talking about, Randy, yeah. there's something with the baggage in those labels that you don't want to be associated with, even though they accurately describe your belief system. So you're, you're trying to avoid that baggage. That, that, that's the interesting intersect here that I've, I've, I want to explore with this, you know, that what is it about the terms atheist or agnostic that you really don't want to embrace or have uh, reflect you? So my um, so first of all, Randy, I want to I want to tell you that I I tried to make a nod to how how difficult it is to identify with as atheist or agnostic in in this world right now, and I think that's reprehensible and terrible, and I I have sympathy for that, and I think it's a credible argument to say we need to do all we can to lift that stigma. So I'm gonna I'm gonna totally agree with you on that point. Um, yeah, I did notice the the hat tip, but it, it it's still anyway. Go ahead. Yeah, no, but I'm telling you, I agree with you. It's terrible. The fact that that should have any bearing on someone's electability 
is repulsive to me. So atheists or agnostics are often rated. We're with, uh, right there with rapists, above yeah. rapists, and yeah. e- equal with Muslims. Right, yeah. Um, so, Randy, back to you. I, as far as the term atheist goes, it's, it's really just, um, I think I just have it in my mind, first of all, that atheist means you have to sort of declare that there is no God, and I'm just, I don't want to to be that guy that has too much certainty on either side of the equation. And I know there's probably a lot of arguments against that position, but that's that's probably my primary concern with identifying as atheists. And then probably the secondary is just that I, uh, I want to be effective. And this probably sounds like a wussy, but I, uh, I'm probably affected by, uh, the, the baggage that it carries in terms of how I was raised to look at atheists. So that probably affects me emotionally and subconsciously, but also I want to reach as many people as I can and if I think it's a stupid question to begin with as to whether or not there's some imaginary being in the sky looking after us, I think that is just unrealistic and dumb and not worthy of our focus. I think that just adds to me just saying, why why introduce a label that's going to turn a bunch of people off if I think it's a stupid proposition from the start? So but that's probably my it is- honest is there like some shell game stuff going on though with that, John? Because you know, you you, you described your reaction uh, to that article where somebody discovers something about Joseph Smith and has this insight, and you look at that and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you've got very strong opinions about this made up story of Joseph Smith. I know for me, like as as much as I really want to be balanced and see things from other people's perspective and be the TBM whisperer or whatever, I still have this internal reaction when people talk about God, you know, like if I if I just hear somebody at work or wherever, and they, all they have to do is say, "Well, things happen for a reason," you know, with a little <laughs> wink, wink thing, and that I know they're they're like testing to see how invested in God belief I am or not, you know, and I, and I just I instantly judge them in internally. I don't want to show that because I don't want to be offensive to them, but it, I, I I guess so. I'm asking, did, does that go on inside of you as well? Um, but you 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 just don't want to show it because you want to be effective to other people, and I guess you can't answer that question now, can you? You just can't you answer it. Why can't I answer it? Well, because if you say, "Yeah, that is how I really feel," then people will know when the game's up. <laughs> oh well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I think people pretty much know who I am and what I stand for, probably. Uh, so I'm not trying to fool anybody. I just don't want to offer. Just like I don't. You don't, don't want to lead to, with that. No, I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't tend to swear because I think it unnecessarily turns some people off. In my podcast, in, in my podcast, I want to reach as many people. I don't. I try to be constructive and objective, not because I don't have opinions and biases, but because I, I think more people from both sides will listen if I, if I keep it constructive. So, in that same sense. I don't want to introduce labels or identities that I think are going to necessarily turn people off if I don't even think the identities are going to add any value. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, can, and, and can we, we could, 
Oh, go ahead, Heather. Um, can we talk about what that what those negative associations are? What exactly is the baggage? Because everyone says that, you know, this term, whether it's feminism or atheism, it, I don't want all the baggage that goes along with that. But can we actually define what that baggage is? What are the negative associations that you have with the term atheist or agnostic that you want to avoid? Because my experience, it's that people think they confuse atheism with anarchists and think that you want to overthrow all governments or nihilists who believe there's no purpose to life at all, or that atheists are necessarily amoral, that they don't believe in any kind of moral code, personal or uh, legal or otherwise. And so all of those things are fallacies, which are unfortunately tied up with the word atheist or, or the association with the godless communists. Um, but none of those are intrinsic to the idea that you can't say what, um, one way or another whether there is a god. None of that necessarily follows from being an atheist, especially not the idea that um, atheists are immoral. So, so what, are, what are your negative associations? Well, um, first of all, I don't, I don't, I think, I think the atheists that I've known are amazing, brilliant, moral, talented, gifted people. So I don't, I've fortunately over the past several years been disabused of any of those biases. I don't want to overstretch it and say that all atheists are amazing, but I. No, they're not. Yeah. But I, but I don't, I don't know how, how many bias biases I have other than just the I think is the word implicit ones just where just the word has a negative uh, emotional valence for me just from conditioning uh, but I but it, but intellectually and now even in many ways emotionally I, I I hold atheists and agnostics and probably prefer I give them preferential status personally because I think oh wow they've done their work and they've thought this through and I, I'm sure that's not always true but but no, no, no. For me, it's just, it's purely, how's it going to be received by the audience? Is it something that, if it were important to me, uh, I would I would say it. But I, I don't really feel affection for those labels personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and since I know it's probably going to be a turnoff, and I think the question itself fundamentally is stupid, then I just say, why introduce it? It doesn't deserve, if it's going to turn people off, there's no benefit, you know? Well, well I do it, think there's a benefit, but um, to but my I totally. Are, are you saying it, it's oh. Mormon Stories host? Oh no, I, I'm just talking just generally that there's a benefit for people who are non-believers, but who believe in a secular morality and that society can be benefited by letting go of the preferential treatment we give to religions for people of all standings to come out of the closet as atheists and and um, try to reduce some of the taboo and the stigma around it the same way that has happened around the label of feminism. I mean, feminism still... Um, has a negative connotation for a lot of people. It used to be women's libbers. I can't tell you how many times I've seen on Facebook or anywhere else a comment that starts by saying, I'm not a feminist, but... And then they give a textbook feminist interpretation or opinion. They are feminists. So I, you don't I, want I, to I, say I, it. Can we go back to the Because they've been taught question? that their religion or feminism is a dirty I, word. I and that atheism is a dirty word. I used to call them feminazis. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, Heather, I want to go back to the baggage question because I don't think that we've really fleshed that out. And there were some things. Is, is that what you wanted to say, Matt? Yeah. Can Can anybody hear me? <laughs> yeah, I can hear you. you sound great. I got some. Hello. I want to add to that too. Yeah. You sound great. Well, yeah. Well, I wanted to ask Randy a question related to baggage because you, I think, have experienced 
coming out as an atheist or you you're, you will identify that as, as that and you have for for a number of years it, it seems that labels are useful because they provide a shortcut you can you, you uh, and, and they're only useful if they're accurate but if if you say you're atheist doesn't that just require you to explain exactly what that means because there's too too many uh, misunderstandings or mis, uh, mis, misinterpretations of what that is like like heather mentioned nihilist or immoral or it means you know with with absolute certainty there's no god and so you, that will automatically be projected onto you well the very first it was really funny situation um when i went to ortho school um all the non-mormon guys when they first met me, they're like, oh, my God, this is a guy I can party with. And then they found out I was Mormon. And, and they were so disappointed. So when I came out uh, after graduating from ortho school, one of my closest buddies in ortho school, who's a Christian, said, you've got to come to Vegas with me this weekend so I can drink with you. I've always wanted to drink with you. So I came to Vegas, and then I uh, – so he started to ask me a few questions, and I said – uh, you know, he's like, okay, so you're not Mormon anymore. What do you believe? I said, well, I'm an atheist. He's like, so you're a devil worshiper? He's from Arkansas. He, he thought I was a <laughs> devil worshiper. I'm like, I don't believe in God, but I believe I believe in the devil. That's <laughs> yeah, incoherent. Anti God, anti God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He asked me if I was a devil worshiper, and and uh, and, and I, I, I after after I got up off the ground from laughing. Um, I, said, yes. I, I, I disavowed him. I had, it gave me an opportunity to disavow him of his ignorance. So it was actually a teaching opportunity. Um, right, but you, that was a guy you were engaged in that you know that you, you were interacting with. I'm talking dude, about. I don't walk around with a fucking like uh, eh, sign and a hat. <laughs> sometimes. And a shirt, you know. And a bumper sticker. First of all, the two. No, but you talk loud at restaurants. <laughs> That's, true. That's true. Who told you that? That was. Uh, well, what, what, that was us. That was us when we were we were bemoaning the the anti-gay positions at, at lunch one time. Do you remember that, Randy? And and somebody came up and, and thought we were espous- espousing those those anti uh, <laughs> uh, gay views, and we're like, no, no, we're we're the good guys. We're, we're you got onion against it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I yeah, it was I, onion. That's right. Yeah, and and uh, and and there's been multiple opportunities with my staff, you know, and, you know, I, I I openly tell them I'm atheist, and uh, most of them are Christian, almost all of them are Christian, and I've had many opportunities to talk to people on the side, you know, to try to disavow them, but the term disabuse. atheist is dis- dis- disavow. Why did I say that? Disabuse them of yeah. Anyway, so um, the term atheist though is not very informative. And 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 I want to be totally fair to John that there, um, there is some baggage. Like I, there are some atheists that I don't want to be associated with. Um, right. I don't want to be associated with some of the um, the things that atheist groups uh, espouse. Um, and and but, you automatically will be when when you identify that way. I, I can be, but at the same time, it's an accurate description of me, and I'm not going to shy away from that accurate description. And and uh, and then use it use use that opportunity to clarify what I actually believe in, not this narrow one little thing that I don't believe in. Um, I, you know, talk about the things I do believe in, the morality I believe in, you know, the the politics I believe in, and why. Um, so I don't I don't think like John, I would ever expect you to to like put on your website 
John DeLynn atheist. <laughs> but if somebody asks you, are you an atheist? You're like, well, actually, yes, I am. That, would, that accurately describes who I am. It's funny for me to listen to you talk about what you believe about God and then talk about atheists as if there's some other group. Well, but, but maybe, and maybe a tactic would be if they ask, are you an atheist? You ask, well, what do you mean by that? Because then, that, that, then, then you yeah. ask them to expose whatever their baggage or their biases are. You know, my, mine was always that atheists are extremely arrogant and they've got this certainty and they declare with absolute certainty that there is no God. But that's, you know, that's, that's a stereotype that, yeah, right. That, that's a stereotype Fuck that you, I was huh? carrying around with me Thank that you. isn't accurate of all atheists, maybe of some, but it's part of that baggage that where I never wanted to be, uh, called an atheist or to self-identify as an atheist. I, I was much more comfortable as an agnostic, but even then I softened it by saying something like, I'm a, I'm a compassionate agnostic, you know, or something like that. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> like, I'm a thoughtful, you know, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want my believing friends to think Not that really I'm nice. judging them, which I actually am doing, but I don't want them to, to think that that's what's going on because I want them to be comfortable and be able to talk to me and not think that I'm just going to be arrogant, judging, dismissing oh, yeah. them. But that, to me, that's, that's a lot of the baggage that, that was associated with atheist for me. And I felt the same way about the term feminist because for a lot of people, feminism or women's lib for a long time was like belligerent, lesbian activists yeah. trying to castrate the world. And really, but what I want to do is reclaim. I thought we weren't going to talk about Kate Kelly. <laughs> Stop. Okay. <laughs> but what I want to do is reclaim that uh, label for the real feminists, which are really just any people who think that women have the right to determine their own lives instead of having their roles dictated to them by the whims and wishes of whatever men are in power at the time. And I think that's the same thing that I would love to do with the term atheist and agnostic. Like, it really doesn't have to have the negative connotation it does if more people, um, more normals would own it, you know? Because, like, the Pew Research um, Foundation, when they did their last survey in 2014, 3% of people would identify as atheist. Three times that many said they don't believe in God. They're the same thing. It's just somehow atheist is still unpalatable. And if we can't rehabilitate that, then let's come up with another word that works for it. But let's not always, let, you know, I, I think the sooner that people have a coming out of the closet, um, the better. And I think when that happens, people will realize that they know more atheists than they think. Because in, our, in the U.S., like Randy says, it's you know, the U.S. is idiosyncratic in the Western world for its rabid religiosity. Being an atheist in Europe is a totally different thing, totally acceptable. But at some point in the U.S., we're going to have to have a coming out party on the level of the gay and lesbian movement. And that's going to be a good thing. And a lot of people are going to realize that the people sitting next to you at the soccer game and the people in your office um, are atheists right in, in the cubicle next to you. This is this is not a perfect example, but several years ago, I was ward mission leader, and the the missionaries in Indiana had a policy change from directly from the mission president. The mission president thought that the word green bean was too pejorative for new missionaries coming into the mission. So he said, "We are going to come up with a new word. We are going to call new missionaries all stars." 
<laughs> Everybody gets a trophy. How, how long do you think that lasted? You know, and, and so you know, I I, I think there's there's this component of culture that as much as we might want to superimpose words or meanings to words or changing things like that, it's really hard to do. And so, like, I don't even know what the mechanism would be to reclaim atheism or to own atheism if if people are carrying around their this baggage. I mean, we've got Donald Trump as the nominee for the Republican Party. How, you know, if, if we can, like, change people's attitudes or beliefs about a word, why can't we do it and just get people that are smart in this country? I don't know. But uh, I, I just – I don't know how we do that. But isn't that happening with secular humanism? Isn't that starting to supplant um, – Because it's, a new, it's, a, new, it's a new term. Yeah, right. For people that know. And people are certainly more comfortable yeah. using that and that's saying the same thing. And that was revealed in, in your thread, John. I think mo- more people either identified as humanist or secular humanist, uh, which, which is more at least well, it's a, it's a palatable. More, it's also a more informative term than yeah. atheist. It has something positive uh, to say about yeah, it, values. Well, I agree with that. Absolutely. But it's still it's, a juxtaposition it, and a comment against religion. You're still defining yourself based on religion by saying I'm a secularist. I'm not religious. Yeah, right. You don't, don't even like, have to say secular, though. Humanist yeah. is the same thing with or without secular. Right. Right. I feel the secular has been poisoned. So I by humanist, Fox by Fox News. Well, uh, yeah, and other places too. Um, just just over the past twenty thirty years, that term you know has been uh, soiled by conservatives, I guess. Um, but I, I like humanist. I it, but it, but it's also got a bit of a robotic feel to me as well. I don't know. But, but I love humanism. I love the, the tenets of humanism for sure. But I don't like that label either for myself. I don't know why. Hmm. I don't know why. Well, okay. I mean, uh, labels are uh, useful. That's how we make sense of the world. Yeah, yeah. Uh, otherwise, you know, how would the doctor know to give you insulin? Uh, you're yeah. a diabetic? No, I don't like labels. <laughs> um, <laughs> but label yourself then. Oh, label myself? Unless this is unless that unless this post was an anti-labelism, which I don't think is. No, no, okay. labels are unavoidable. Truth they're seeker. important. I mean, yeah, that's what I put, truth seeker. But well, that's uh, that could be uh, a nine eleven truth seeker too. You know, what I mean, no, I mean, if, if you're asking me what it means, truther. <laughs> I just put 9-11 in front of his true secret <laughs> label. I mean, I, the ones that come to my mind are, you know, husband, father. Um, I don't know. I don't have anything smart to say here. Activist. I put activist. Um, I don't know. That's cool that you own activist because a lot of people would say that has a negative connotation as well. But for you, you've come far enough in the activism world to own it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like a lot of people would be off-put by activist in the same as a lot of the same people would be off-put by atheist. Yeah. Yeah, so you, sh- you shouldn't call yourself an activist. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm actually not allowed to call myself a psychologist because um, that's a protected term that refers to people with a psychology license and i haven't taken my my uh, licensure exam yet so i actually can't call myself a psychologist believe it or not <laughs> or i would i would say psychologist but i can't oh that sucks 
I can say doctor of psychology, but I can't say psychology. <laughs> That's so oh. stupid. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those weird things. I don't know. How do you guys label yourself? I'll turn the turn the question back on you guys. Well, I'm I'm actually curious, like, because how would you describe yourself? I mean, you won't say you're atheist or agnostic, but even though you are atheist and agnostic, <laughs> what can can you come up with a soft term? Wait, if you don't, if you other, don't other than truth that, seeker, I don't like truth seeker. That's lame. If you <laughs> if you don't think that the question about whether or not God exists is even important or interesting. That means you're that, an atheist. Don't live in America. That means you're an atheist. <laughs> really, <You're> atheist. <laughs> then you don't do this episode. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> you you are without theism. Yeah. Atheist. Yeah. What is it? <laughs> this is an intervention, John. Say it, John. Say it. We we already got you saying fuck. Now say I am an atheist, or we'll just make it. We'll edit it to sound. And then take a swig of whiskey. Just one. (laughs) I cannot go anywhere without five people trying to get me to drink. I literally. I know. I've I've been there. I've been that guy. (laughs) No, I don't know. Don't you get? Do you guys feel affection? Okay, so those of you who identify with atheists, do you guys own it? Are you proud of it? Do you feel good when you say it? No, I, huh? I do not. No, you don't. I, why? Why don't you? Why don't you? Because uh, of the baggage around it. So I like. I I don't. I I'm never in a position where I really have to identify a, as that or like a, adopt a label. So I don't. I don't know where that. You know, if, it, if somebody let's if somebody take asks label me, away. let's take it as a descriptive term. Yeah. If somebody asks me, and I'll be yeah, yeah. So you won't you won't shy away from it, but you're not going to yeah. like trumpet it, right? I, I I won't like I won't try, and it's not even shy away from. It. I, I won't I won't mental gymnastics myself away from it. I'll say yeah, okay, I I am, but there's but I'll also say there but there's a lot of baggage around it that I don't really like that term, you know. Yeah. And, and and maybe talk about the baggage, but as far as is, I don't live my life in any way that that I'm expecting or that I'm thinking that a god is watching or approving or you know it's just not it doesn't even cross my mind. And so if that's the definition of of atheist, then yeah. Well, I'll just make it really simple. I like positive identity, and a means not. So it starts with a negative prefix, and I don't like that. It doesn't feel good. I want all my identities to be positive and not negative. So you're not an American. <laughs> I'm sorry. <What>? No. <laughs> you're an American. Is that how about that, Heather? Do you not you buy that? I totally agree with that. And I feel the same way. Like I would like for if I had to use a label about myself, I'd like for it to give some positive information about what I do yeah. value. Like maybe naturalist that I think I believe in things that arise from natural causes that there isn't a supernatural force that um supersedes the laws of nature or or humanist I, stri- I, for some reason that makes me feel like a nudist though like natural, yeah yeah, it's like a nudist. yeah. Oh, well yeah. um what about like con- consequentialist like i evaluate choices by whether or not they tend to produce or alleviate suffering i don't i'm not an absolutist i my, I make my choices by their consequences. What, what if you, what if you said something, John, that you were an a rapist? Yeah, or would, an a bit, or an a bigot. Yeah, an a bigot. You know, you're like, oh, I don't want to define myself as not a bigot. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you are anti bigotry, right? And that's a negative. 
term. Yeah, but I just, if you ask me the 20 things I would say to describe myself, I wouldn't say any of those things, you know? Yeah. I know, but you wouldn't shy away from it. If somebody says, are you anti-bigotry? You say, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hell fucking yeah, I'm anti-bigotry. No, I think you guys made a good point that if, if there's, there's describing your beliefs or what you're about, and then there's how you choose to identify. And I, I think... I think the description of agnostic totally fits me, hundred percent, and it's not in the top hundred words that I would ever use to describe myself. I'd say tall, I'd say white, I'd say middle aged, I'd say father, I'd say husband, I'd say you know doctor of psychology, I'd say activist. It, it, agnostic wouldn't make the top hundred, you know. Okay. So and I think ag too is ag. It's a prefix, not knowing. No, right? it's a gnosis. A gnosis, right? So yeah. again, it's a. I just like a positive identity. That it, it might just be as simple as that. I think not having religion define your life is pretty dang positive. Yeah, it does sort of sound like. Well, I'm not an agnostic, but. I'm totally an agnostic, right? <laughs> you know, it sounds like that disclaimer. But to be honest, I don't. I think the only time that anyone's ever asked me whether I was an atheist or asked me to define my beliefs has really been in my PPI on this podcast. It just doesn't <laughs> come up, right? Yeah. And I don't remember precisely what I said or whether I claimed atheist or agnostic or anything. I don't even remember what I said. Somebody will have to tell me in the comments to this episode. But, um. But n- nobody asks me, you know, and and I don't have the bumper sticker or the T-shirt like Randy either. But <laughs> you guys, uh, like, you would be shocked at how little my belief comes into my life in my interpersonal relationships and dealings with public people. I would be totally shocked. Uh, it, it hardly ever comes up. See, I feel like I'm I'm in the minority then because it seems like it comes up a lot. So many people. You live ask, in Mesa, right? and, and that may be that may be why because it starts with. Um, it's usually with someone who assumes I'm Mormon because of the the firm I work at or some of the circles that I run in or where I live. And so it's, oh, are you Mormon? Um, And then that usually uh, starts a conversation of how do I label myself? And that's been years into, oh, I'm I'm, I'm this, I'm that. And and now I just say no. But then it's, oh, well, then, you know, if, if they know I used to be, oh, so what what, what's your belief in God? That that is always the follow up to what the relationship in the church is, and that does come up, unfortunately, in my life over and over again. And so, so and so, how do you so label how do you yourself? deal it? Yeah, that's really interesting. I I say I'm, I'm atheist, and then I have the conversation that Randy talked about, and then they say, oh, so that means fill in the blank. No, atheist. <laughs> if I have to, I say I'm an agnostic atheist. Oh, I thought it was one or the other. No, uh, agnostic means this. Atheist means this. And so I, 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 you know, this I don't. I live my life as 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 if there's no God because there it really isn't an interesting question to me. It doesn't impact my life at all. Therefore, I identify as atheist. And so the, the purpose of a label has become useless because it becomes you know, a, a, an essay on, uh, yeah. on, on these because terms. It's not a useful term. That's why. But at the same time, um, so many people in the name of God are legislating uh, horrible laws against women and against LGBT and against transgendered. And uh, and I just think that we need a bigger voice politically, and I, I don't know if that's going to happen unless and, until more it happens more in entertainment 
I mean, we have we've had House as a as, as an atheist hero, and I'm not talking about kind of a dick though. I'm, I mean, I know and, and bullshit right. atheist like Matthew McConaughey in True Detective, where he has his come to Jesus moment. In oh, I hated episode. that. Uh, oh, disappointing. I, disappointing. I was like screaming at my television set. Um, you know if. I, I th- and more and more people in Hollywood, in the entertainment business, are coming out as atheists, um, with Ricky Gervais kind of leading the way at the, at the Golden Globes over and over. You got Seth MacFarlane. And- yeah, uh, Johnny Depp and uh, Brad Pitt are also atheists. Um, there's a lot of atheists out there, but um, it, I, I, would, I just would like non-religious people to get more power um, in the political field where, you know, where, where actually laws are made. Yeah. And- oh, well, and I, I wanted to say one, my purpose in doing that is exactly what Heather talked about earlier, which is I, I it, it is kind of that coming out moment. The more people that they know that, that people know are, uh, are atheist, agnostic, whatever, embrace that term and realize, Hey, I, I have pretty good kids, uh, have a pretty yeah. solid, solid marriage. Uh, I do work and, and I'm productive. And, and so it, it I think I have the lifestyle that people would look at and say that's not who I would expect to be an atheist. So those those are the reasons why uh, why I do it. And and, and so then far you I haven't roll really up have your sleeves and they see the tattoos and they're like ah, <laughs> ah <laughs> exactly that's what I expect. <laughs> but that's so important, Matt. That that people know good normal atheists and and we can't expect everybody to know a good normal atheist so we have to combat the misinformation campaign which is that people without religion are necessarily immoral that you need an old sacred text to give you a sense of right and wrong because that's absolutely not true morals evolve as part of the culture which is why most of the religions that we have today have actually outlived the morality of their sacred texts. Like we've, we've all been to Sunday school, not recently for most of us, but, but you know that you don't learn moral lessons from the stories in the Bible. Do you, do you in Sunday school learn that if you have a male guest in your house and someone wants to sodomize them, that you then send out your daughter or your wife and let them be raped to death? No, you don't learn those stories. It's, it's the job of the Sunday school teacher to twist and shape and, and stretch the yeah and cherry pick from the barbaric ludicrous contradictory stories of the old and new testament to to shape them into some kind of acceptable morality and it's a hard task you don't learn morals from the bible you bend over backwards to put something like an acceptable morality into the bible well, the, by the, that picking and choosing the the the, the committee that cre- oh, what is it Tough, that C word, the other Nicene C-word. Creed. No, 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 no. That that the church standardized all their correlation. Teaching. Correlation is the correlation committee did all that bending over backwards, and they put it into the manual. So the teacher just has to read out of the manual. They don't have to struggle with the stuff that's in the which is. Which is why it being a Sunday school teacher led me out of the church because I read that I read all the right. the scriptures in context. Right, right. Yes, yes. Right. If you actually read the scriptures, you understand that your mor- religious morality, for the most part of you know modern American society at least, doesn't come from the scriptures. There's no way that it does. Now, my favorite disaffection story is is my friend Brad. He was sitting in Gospel Doctrine where he's supposed to be on Sunday, and the lesson was on DNC 132. And of course, they only read from like the first eight verses in the lesson, but he was bored and he sat there and read all the way through. 
and was a non-believer by the end of <laughs> right you can't you can't help it with that one because it's right. so it's so obvious that Joseph Smith is trying to frame this as this is oh. Jesus this is the voice of Jesus everybody this is God here but God wouldn't say those things that's not consistent yeah. with what I think Jesus is right oh this is a tangent yeah but the kind of the point of that is that you don't need the scriptures to be moral and you don't need God checking up on you to be moral either. People have an innate sense of what is right and wrong. They, it, it tends to be very similar across cultures when you give them the same hypotheticals. And those morals, people know that it's wrong to lie. People know that it's wrong to kill and to steal. And, and they answer very similarly along the different scenarios of killing. People have morals with or without religion. And in fact, children of secular parents who have been taught to do their own moral reasoning have more empathy you know, it, it's and well, that's because and they have atheists less, are they have less in group out group mentality, right? The the labeling itself, mm. but also atheists are are underrepresented in prisons. They're less violent. Religions are the tend to condone and support violence, and so do their sacred texts. Right. So, John, I wanted to ask you about the other labels because you were uh, very much instrumental in in my trying to carve out this a mormon label and and you know you've been been i think pretty uh adamant about trying to expand uh, the concept of mormon and embracing the term mormon uh for for anyone who who chooses to to claim it do you have the same feelings about those labels of really identifying as mormon or is it more nuanced than that if if you are asked uh to to identify yourself in in connection to mormonism yeah i uh, I'm super, I've been uncomfortable. Like, let's just say I'm at MIT, and this won't be fictitious. I'm at MIT because, you know, I'm working there or whatever. And somebody says, so what, you know, are you Mormon? I've, I haven't been comfortable just flat out answering that as a yes for at least since 2008, you know, mm-hmm. um, just because there's way too much baggage. So even while I was active and trying to make it work, I... I didn't feel comfortable owning that label in and of itself just because yeah. I, I associated in my mind with bigotry and sexism yeah. and racism and homophobia. So that's not been clean cut either. But yeah, I'm I'm I go back and forth on that and I'm a little bit ambivalent because I do love the idea of kind of Judaism and how there can be secular Judaism and it's just a culture and so there's a part of me that has tried to fight for and still likes the idea of Mormonism being a cultural term that that just describes our tribe and where we come from. And at the same time, there's a part of me that's just so disgusted with the LDS Church and how it's evolved that I just don't want anything to do with that. So I'm as uncomfortable calling myself a Mormon now as I am calling myself an atheist, maybe even more so, yeah. probably more so. Because of the, especially since November, I would I would imagine that's certainly been my, yeah, uh, my experience. And, and I have a friend who uh, went did BYU undergrad and then and then went to Berkeley Law School, and he took BYU off his resume years ago because part of it. Part, I've asked him about it, and he just said, "Well, basically, I, I went to Berkeley Law School. I don't. I didn't need." You know, I did for, yeah. for jobs and other things. I didn't need went, any. He went to a pretty else. good school and right. <laughs> oh, right. And read a few books. Right, right. He's no dodo. <laughs> He's no dodo. 
Um, <laughs> but Randy, you went to BYU. Have you? Is, is, it, is, I is, hate it, dude. I fucking hate it. Like I don't. I don't, even, <laughs> I don't even know where my degree is. But like, let's say I'm meeting a diploma. Yeah, I'm meeting a, a potential referring dentist for the first time, and we're having lunch, and he asked me where I went to undergrad. I have choice of lying or telling him I went to BYU. <laughs> Which comes with all that label. Boy, I hate that label. Uh, comes with all these assumptions. And, and you know, out here, uh, 80% of the time, the, the guy's going to be Mormon because there's a disproportionate amount of Mormon dentists in America. And, uh, and so then, then there will be the whole, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I have to make that choice. I usually, or not usually, I've always made the choice if I went to BYU, but... Um, cause I just don't want it to come out in, in, in a way I, I can't control. <laughs> mm. I don't want them to find out through somebody else. Oh my God. Do you know that he drinks mm. uh, and then they won't understand what, what, what the hell he said he went to BYU. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I take the approach of being upfront. Have you, I'm interested in this, Randy, have you ever, uh, you, you know, that it would be to your benefit either professionally or otherwise just to let the perception that go, that goes with being uh, being graduate or having graduated from BYU, do you just kind of let that go? Have you ever just let that go as well, just because eh, what they know doesn't doesn't hurt them? I, I'd like to rephrase Matt's question, Randy. Have you ever obfuscated your Mormon identity? <laughs> <laughs> That's an inside joke. John wouldn't understand. Oh, uh. <laughs> uh, a listener said I use the word obfuscate too much. Oh. <laughs> um. Uh, have I ever obfuscated? Uh, well, I, you know, it, it, it's on a need to know basis. I'm not gonna, like I said, if they ask me where I went to undergrad, it'll come up. But that's where I have to make a choice to get in front of it or to see what happens. And I, I choose to get in front of it. But um, I'm not gonna like trumpet that. You know, it, inevitably they're gonna see me. The, the way my group is situated. Um, we're going to see each other at social in social situations, and and so they're going to see me drink. So for me to bring it up doesn't help. Um, but if if they never asked if I went to BYU, then they would just and that's what I would really like is to be not identified with my Mormon past and just be a guy who drinks, just a normal dude who drinks. You know, does that make sense? I obfuscate my mission when when people ask me uh, why do you speak Japanese? Yeah, why do you speak Japanese? <laughs> like, oh, I I lived two years in Japan. Oh, what did you do there? Uh, I taught English and stuff. Taught English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just you know, like kind of like Peace Corps, except not really yeah. like Peace Corps. Service. Yeah, just like some service and volunteer. You know, but you're not you're not outright stuff. lying because if somebody asks you, where no, I'm obfuscating. Right, right. I'm just saying that that's a little bit different situation, and I, I, I don't judge you for that at all. I've obfuscated for much more trivial reasons. Like in college, you get on the plane, you're tired, you just want to take a nap, and the person next to you is like, so where are you from? If I say Utah, <laughs> then it's Mormonism and polygamy and blah, 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 blah. It's this whole conversation. I'm like, I just turned into final, and I have to sleep. Um, I'm from Boston. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Which isn't a lie either. We're right, because that's where you live now. And just to come back to your, your question, I think it was Matt who asked. I even though I I don't own the term Mormon publicly very much, I I still affectionately think of myself as Mormon internally. And that's kind of messed up, right? Uh, like I, because you I get I get it because you understand. 
they had it, but I totally understand the baggage and that you assume that Mormonism is is inextricably com- you know combined with homophobia and sexism and, and yeah. racism. So yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah, so, but, it's, but it's yeah. also like so much a part of your history. I mean, it's a huge part of your history. Yeah. Um, I actually have sadness because my I left when my kid, my youngest, besides the adopted kid who was twelve, uh, the youngest two biological kids. Um, we're too young to even remember, like, they don't even know what the word baptism means. Um, and uh, there, there's kind of a little bit of sadness in me that they don't understand at all that part of my past and my history and their mom's past in history. Um, because, the, I mean, even though we don't want to be labeled Mormon anymore, you know, it's it's part of us. Yeah. And, and and there are still such, so many good Mormons that are you know the, as far as members and my you know, I think my family and friends and those are people who I'm happy to associate with because they don't ha- have some of they, they don't have any of those uh, those negative negative things so I, I get that part of me would like to be able to tap into my past more but I'm at this point I do feel more a Mormon. Than yeah. Mormon. Well, yeah. What about what about ex Mormon or an anti Mormon? I mean, what do you think of those labels? I'm not anti Mormon because I love the Mormon people, like a lot of them anyway. Not not the general authorities so much. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. uh, but I'm anti Mormonism uh, in a lot of ways. Right. Um, but I don't like anti Mormon, and it's also just a dismissive term. It, it's it's a, it's a ad hominem. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is this is taking us right back to where we started with with the atheist and agnostic, though, because if 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 a, a TBM is describing what an anti Mormon is, somebody who speaks bad about the brethren, somebody who mocks the church, somebody who encourages people to not believe in the church or wants people to leave the church, uh, it's Randy again. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's not. Do you hate I don't Mormon want my people? Dad, I don't want my dad to leave the church. Absolutely I'm not. Just kidding you. Yeah. Well. I do. I want. I want my dad to leave the church. I want your dad to leave the church. I want people. I, I want. I want the church to no longer have that supreme hold over people that makes neighbors go inside when John and his kids walk through the neighborhood. You know, like I. I didn't always feel that way and feel that strongly about it. But you know, and I don't like. I don't like identifying as an anti-Mormon either, but if we're going to go by the group that has created that definition and what it means, I think we've got to own that. That, yeah, okay, I don't like it, but I guess I am. Yeah, but the the aspect you don't like isn't the whole story of Mormonism. It isn't the whole picture. That's just one aspect of it. What? You, you want to burn down your debt. I mean, you want to really... <laughs> Take that away from your dad. Yes, because I've because I've seen my mom separate herself from it, and it was hard for her, you know. But I think it's helped her. It's 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 helped my relationship with her. Therefore, ergo, it, that's the way it will be for everybody. No, but I'm not afraid of it, and it's not like I'm trying to rob my dad of something that's so important to him. It's it, it, it's the the way that so. Like I was visiting him a couple of weeks ago, and it's Sunday evening. We're sitting around, and they're like, oh, well, we've got to go to a meeting because they're splitting our steak. And so, you know, my, my dad stayed home. His, his wife left. But I'm like, 
You don't have to go to this meeting. You can find out tomorrow who's, you know, what the new boundaries are of the stake, you know, but it's like it dictates so much of their life. And we're in town. Why not? Why not sit around and stay and hang out? You know, but they they also take John's dad to the airport when he can't. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And shovel his driveway twice a week. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and no one no one else would ever do that. I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I'm not saying that I want to burn the church down. But if if somebody's saying like it, if somebody's saying that I'm an anti Mormon, and for me just to start obfuscating that, I think is disingenuous. I think I've got to embrace it. Well, I had I had an interesting conversation with my mom just a couple weeks ago, where where we came became a little more open about the podcast and I just it was telling her you know these are this is something that's really important in my life and it's been going on for a few years and I, and I want you to know about it and I, and I'm just and so she she asked me well okay I have I have some questions do you do you denigrate the church and I said well you would think I do <laughs> well so why is that not I a do. yes <laughs> because it, why can't like, you just what, say what, yes to that yes when because I, what, what my old definition of anti-mormon was someone who was uh, who would lie tell lies about the church to hurt the church. And what Matt's saying, mm-hmm. Matt's saying something different. Matt's like, yeah, I'm brutally honest. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, and, and yeah, we had a conversation. You would see that as anti. You would see that. And I, but I said, but mom, I have a very strong opinion and, and position against the institution and the organization. And they have taken some stances against, uh, uh, against your grandson that are so abhorrent that they are my enemy. And as long as they keep taking those positions, they will remain my enemy and I will do everything I can to counter that. And she looked at me and she said, well, I understand that. And, and, and so it required a little more, but, 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 and it was a little more nuanced, but yeah, the church is my enemy. They're my enemy because they have taken positions against people I love, including my son. Yeah. And they have gone, done everything they can to hurt them. And so, yes, they are my enemy. So if that's anti-Mormon, then yeah, but I embrace that, but I want, to, want it to be very clear as, as to why. So don't just paint this as anti-Mormon you know, lies or that you, you just dislike the doctrine or these things. We, we, can have, we can have a conversation about each one, but yes, I am, the church is my enemy for these reasons. And, and I guess, Randy, if, if, if this is somebody that is going in with the bias that anti-Mormons lie anyway— and they've already dis- dis- decided for themselves that you're an anti-Mormon, and they ask you if you're an anti-Mormon, and you say no, then it's just confirmation bias. You just lied to them. Of no, course, I didn't anti-Mormon lie to, lie to them. Because I know what the definition was for me as a Mormon, is that you will lie to destroy the church. You, your objective at, is, by any means necessary, destroy the church. And that's not what I am, and that's not what I'm about. I, I'm not. I don't lie. I don't. No, but have, if nobody but if, has if to they lie. ask if you're an anti-Mormon, you say no. But they believe that you are. That they won't take you seriously anymore. That's, they're like, ah, oh, he's not. Gonna, take, he's they're not going to take me seriously regardless. So the the label thing is irrelevant at that point. But um, but I, I I will always bristle against the 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 label anti-Mormon because I don't lie about the church hmm. because that's what it means to them. What? How many times have you heard? It's always they're always put together. Oh, those are just anti-Mormon lies. That's how it's always right. But it's two different descriptors side by side. Not that there are synonyms. It, it's a package deal. Okay. 
anti-Mormons are liars. So these are just lies from anti-Mormons. They're anti-Mormon lies. There's, there's been, this is a bit of a, um, just an additional point. I, I've been trying to find a way to communicate this more effectively because I, I would actually say that uh, a lot of people are like, are you trying to get people out of the church? Are you trying to bring the church down? And honestly, right now, the way I feel is that, that my answer to that is no, in the sense that if I had a magic wand, what I would do is I would, I would have everybody know all the facts about the church, all the polyandry, all the stuff in the CES letter. Everyone would know it, both the investigators and current members. And I would have them get a real sense for the harm that is caused by the church. And at that point, if anybody just says, yeah, I know all that, and I still want to stay, it makes me happy, it gets me through the day, um, it, it meets my social needs, I'm actually okay with that personally. I, some people take medication to be okay, and if, and if, if being a member of a church is, it helps make you okay, I'm, I actually am okay with people doing that if they have the, what I think of as the full agency to make that choice deliberately with all the information. And so in that sense, it's actually never been my goal to take people out of the church or even to bring the church down. I just want to make sure everyone who's in it knows what they're in and is choosing it with full awareness of the, of the information and of the consequences. So, so, so it, doesn't, it doesn't frustrate you if you feel like they're uh, putting blinders on and, and they're, they're not accepting uh or, or or raising their awareness to things that they could otherwise and they're just resisting that well you don't um, want to shine the light on them to to kind of not not necessarily force it on them but force it on them well first of all i think that's, i do think that's you know to 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 assume the vernacular of infants on thrones i think that's a dick move to just trying to be forced people to see, see your world your worldview and to agree with you and to do what you think they should do. But honestly, um, I think there's just people in the world that they just don't, they don't value the same things I value. And for them, you know, there was a guy once I, I when I was an elders quorum pre- teacher, just in my first few years here in my ward here in Logan, I would give these really, I, I would give what I thought were really sophisticated progressive, edgy elders quorum talks. And there was this guy who's like, was barely getting along with his wife and didn't have a happy marriage. And his kids were obviously struggling. And he's, he just said to me, he said this in front of the whole class. He said, you know, you raised a lot of interesting points, but honestly, I just want someone to tell me what to do because, you know, and he didn't say that because I'm miserable and I just am trying to get through the day. But there's a lot of people that are just trying to get through the day or that they're elderly and they need the support or they have a mental illness or some sort of addiction that the church helped them avoid or they just like it or they like the music or they like a sense of purpose. And my, they dad, like my, dad, calling. my dad's like whole purpose in life is to stay worthy so he can be with my mom. And, right. you know, I'm not going to try well, to take that away from him. What's the line about? Uh, atheism or, or lack of a belief in God is a is a luxury. It's a luxury that the wealthy or those who who have have it a little easier have because sometimes the the poor, those who are struggle, uh, 
want that, need that. I, I think there's some real truth to that. I don't know, man. I, I've had I've had a lot of things happen in my life over the last six months where I wish that there was somebody to tell me what to do too. You know, like yeah. I, I don't know I don't know how to handle situations with my nineteen year old daughter that, that have come up and yeah. been like, Whoa, whoa, what do I do? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't yeah. you know, and like if I was in the church, I would feel like, Oh, I need to go and talk to the bishop, or I'm gonna get down on my knees, I'm gonna pray about this, you know, I'm gonna look to some kind of an authority to tell me what to do and then I would probably blindly trust that whether they actually knew what the hell they were talking about or not so i don't know if that's necessarily a good thing that i'm getting that advice from but i would at least think that it was you know so so that that itch is being scratched that somebody's there to to tell me what to do but there is Uh, there is that security that comes with that that's a far cry from not knowing if you're going to be able to eat tomorrow and uh or be arrested by a corrupt police state you're right it is um and so like no it's it's matt's point like like i i don't i don't hold it against anyone in a third world country to look for a better yeah. afterlife when their life here is just utter misery i don't either oh that, yeah. that's what matt's point was like okay. uh, being atheist is i was so, saying but i was saying me too i was saying me too i also i also oh, would like to have man. somebody poor rich white glenn <laughs> No, in, in all seriousness, <laughs> with his six thousand square foot house in Arizona. Oh God, the <laughs> trouble! I wish it was. <laughs> you got a beautiful house, bro. <laughs> no, in, all, in all seriousness, I uh, during during one of the times where the the heat was really coming on, and we were out of the church. I, I had a child that was just really depressed and struggling with a mood disorder, honestly, and. And this child said to me, Dad, um, I believe in God because I'm really unhappy in this life. And and as far as I'm concerned, I'm so unhappy that I kind of would rather not be in this life. And God is what makes me feel like I want to keep living for something better. And when your own child is telling you that, and your child is basically saying, Right now, it's either God or I don't want to be here anymore. That's, I when, think, that's when you I, give them a copy of the God delusion. <laughs> no, I, no. Yeah. I'm I, just I, kidding. I know I'm you're kidding. kidding. Yeah, no, no, no. It, but that, that, that was really powerful to me. And, and now my guess is sh- this child's in a different place. But at the time, I'd much rather have them believing in God than, than have taken their own life, you know, personally. <laughs> personally, personally, <laughs> I don't know about the rest that's of you guys. A, that's a strong, strong position you're taking oh, there, yeah. John. My kid is I mean, if, if other people dead. feel differently, that's valid. That's equally valid. But personally, <laughs> no, but there, there I'm are. I'd rather have a living daughter that believes in God than. An, yeah. Personally, I'm against child rape. That's just me. Yeah, that's just me. Other people no. may have different views. They're equally valid. And that's cool. I'm not cool. crossing that line for anybody. I'm sorry. No, so what shame. about that whole, you know, come home with honor or in a pine box or whatever that, that exactly. Oh. Right. That has that position is out there. Oh, that's on the religious side for sure. <laughs> oh, touche. But 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 seriously, I think there's a lot of people where religion helps them get through the day, and and it means a lot to them. And fine, let them have it. You know, that's what I say. As long as you're not legislating it on everyone else. <laughs> right, man. <laughs> Stay out. Point of- a religious term. 
<laughs> Stay out of women's vaginas, for Christ's sake. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Why, why do we have to do what? that? <laughs> You're talking, do you really, have you not been paying attention to what's been going on? Yes. The Hobby Lobby decision. You know what you did. <laughs> With all the, abor- the anti-abortion state laws. Oh, it makes what me angry. What was the deal with that Eddie Murphy song in the 80s? It's like, put this in your butt. Put it in this in your butt. What was that? Yeah. What was that all about? I remember that song. What was that about? Uh, Eddie Murphy trying to sing. Put a rubber tree in your butt. <laughs> Put a bumblebee in your butt. What is that? What? Is that gonna? Is that gonna be the bumper music now? <laughs> I don't know. It could be. <laughs> hey, I ain't putting no boogie in nobody's butt. That's nasty, man. What you talking about? Putting boogies in people's butt? You out your mind or something? You go to jail for doing something like that. Well, step aside, my friend, I've been doing it for years. I say, sit on down, open your eyes, and open up your ears. Say, put a tree in your butt, put a, a bumblebee in your butt. Hi, my name is Boyd. I enjoy looking at my wall calendar of masculine, manly men, yay, even powerful priesthood holders, while working on my little factory by listening to infants on thrones. You can comment on this episode on the website, infantsonthrones.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the forum a five-star rating and write a short review on iTunes. I did. Anyone for the closing prayer? I ain't playing that man. Put no trees in nobody's butt, no bees in nobody's butt. Put nothing. You must be out your mind, man. Do y'all get paid for doing this? Cause it, y'all got to get some kind of money. Cause this don't sound like the kind. Of, I'd rather golf, to be perfectly honest, than put something in somebody's butt. Be truthful. I think we're done. <laughs> yeah, that's the sign. I think Glenn put a stick in the spokes of the bike. <laughs> I put a flag on the stick that was already in the spokes of the bike. Wow, that's meta. Yeah, John, you you should be interviewed more. I li- I like when you come on. It's fun. Oh, well, I'm glad I was able to make it. Normally I can't, but um, it, it freed up magically. It must it must have been... De- Wait. No, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> it was meant to be, John. It was meant to be. No, I love you guys. You know, I, I, I know most of you. I don't know Heather, uh, but I just... I honestly love you guys, and I want to... I love talking to you guys. I wish we could hang out. I'm I just, back to this point about whether you guys retire or not. I mean, if you feel like you need to do, but I'll just say that um, I think number one, we have just scratched the surface. There's so many people. You, we we tend to think that we're you know so influential, and there's so there's so many people who have no idea who any of us are and have not heard of any of the issues or the the essays or Jeremy Runnels. There's just so many people that still need help. And number two, I think we're reaching a tipping point, not where the church disappears, but I think if we just keep pushing and informing and shining light, I think we're going to see some bigger things happen in the next five, ten years than we've seen in the past. That sounds to me like somebody who wants to burn the church down. <laughs> no, we're taking no, over. Sunlight, marginalize, marginalize. Sunlight, baby. Sunlight. Sunlight. <laughs> I want more people to wake up. But ha- but want- yeah, see see you want to force it on them. How uh, do, no, how do I, you get no, them to honestly, wake up without waking them up? Here's what I don't do: I don't go to people's wall and and tell them what they should do or think. I right. don't go to their door. No, I anymore. I don't you did you did for two years? Hello. I know. But yeah, for the other side. Yeah. But 
all I do is I put information out there and people can check it out or not. And I think that's reasonable. Absolutely reasonable. Yeah. But I don't I don't bring it up at family reunions. I don't I don't need I don't look for discussions at the grocery store. I, I it's a it's a pull model. It's not a push model. But don't you want to though? Are there times you uh, want to like the, the people in the family reunion, whether whether you actually do or not? Uh, that you I don't want to. You would be, love to sit be, down and have a conversation. Like you would love for them to approach you and say, "I'd I'd like to know why you do what you do. Like, what is it that that you you know just just to start the conversation out of genuine interest." Mm. I don't know, man. I guess I've seen. I guess I've is a is a psychologist. Johnny says no. As a mental health professional, I've seen uh, I've seen a lot of people benefit from leaving religion, but I've seen a lot of people without religion not do so hot. Um, so I I kind of want everybody to be happy and healthy wherever they are, and I kind of view people now not as needing my worldview, but as being on a journey, and they'll. They'll be ready when they're ready, and, and 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 until they're ready, I'm honestly not interested in screwing with them because you can push someone before they're ready, and it can have bad consequences. Well, again, I, I'm not saying push. I was going with the pull model that that you want them to approach you, which assumes that they're ready, like that you want to have those conversations and and be prepared to respond when people do come to you and and play a role in helping other people be be prepared. Uh, to, to pull when people are ready to be pulled. But, but the other part, you, you have daughters, right, John? I have three daughters. And, and doesn't the, like, inequality of, of gender make you want them to not get sucked into this for the rest of their life? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't, I, if you're asking my preference, my preference is that they don't become religious. And, but but also if they do, then my preference is to be supportive. You know. But uh, what is your point, I, Glenn? Like, I I can't I I can't be supportive of like I've I've wanted I I've I've been in this position that John's talking about and really wanted to be magnanimous and say whatever you guys want, I'm going to support. But but when it comes down to it, I really don't want that. I really don't. I like I don't want my kids to grow up Mormon and, and to, to have that latch on to them. You I don't really want don't. that. You don't want that, but I think you could handle it better than your average Mormon parent having their kid leave the church. And I, mean, I guess, I guess when, when we're saying support, like what does that mean to support them? Because I, I, I would, I don't think I would be able to support them. I, I think I would would be very you would, subversive. You wouldn't shun. But you wouldn't shun. You would embrace them. You would let them come over. You wouldn't. I mean, that's supporting. No, the the, the thing, and I mean, def, how I would be, I would just shut my mouth. Like when when they were complaining about something that highlights this gender inequality, I would want to be still. An, I told you so. This is why you shouldn't be there, but I would know, okay, that's not going to be received very well, so I actually wouldn't do it. But it would be this internal struggle that I'm sure they'd pick up on somehow. But it just like what like I don't I don't I don't want to get them into that place. And and part of this is probably because I'm getting ready to 
move from Indiana and my kids right. aren't coming with me to Arizona. And so I've been having conversations with them. You know, th- this, this means they're going to be going to church more often with their mom. And, you know, Emma, who's going to be turning 16 soon, and Jonas, who's 12, they don't want to be Mormon. They don't want to go to the church, but they also don't want to let their grandmother down or their grandpa, who's the bishop. And, you know, so I'm, I'm just trying to think of, like, what are, what are, what are ways that I can inoculate them, not, not in the way that uh, inoculation is usually talked about among ex-Mormons, where they're okay with uh, – polygamy and polyandry, but where they don't get uh, hoodwinked by all the apologetics that are going to come their way, or when people say, oh yeah, your dad is an anti-Mormon liar, you know, things like that. I, it just, I, I think that's why I'm so emotional about it right now. Totally, totally. That makes sense. Yeah. So I just, just to be clear, I, I would be super disappointed if, if uh, you know, if, if my kids there'd be a part of me that'd be super disappointed. What makes me move to the quote, magnanimous sort of perspective is just this, that I know that you create resistance whenever you try and push somebody in a certain direction. So it's counter. If my kid were to choose that, it would just be counterproductive to, to do anything, but supportive, be supportive of them. Cause it just, it generates the best results, but also, um, if a kid, if one of my kids chose that after all they'd seen and after all they knew about me um, and my experience and the information, wh- what I would conclude from that is that they've really just felt like they needed it. And at that point, I just feel like of all the bad ways that a kid could end up, uh, being an active devout Mormon is, is one of the least bad options I can think of, given all the other alternatives. Mm. You know, mm. I, like th- th- there are worse things than somebody like, how do I be a good dad today? And how do I go do my home teaching? And how do I go, go set up chairs at church? Like there are worse ways a kid could end up, you know? Yeah. At like, the same time, and my experience is very different because my children are very young. I don't live in Utah. We have a lot of options, but for me, you know, if my kids wanted to go to church, it would be like, they were asking to go to, to join a swimming pool that was segregated, or they wanted to go to a school where the women were all presided over by men and couldn't make their own financial decisions and um, would never be considered for the position of principal because of their gender. I wouldn't let them go to that school. Yeah, I wouldn't join that pool. Analogy. Oh, yeah. totally, totally. Yeah. But, but, but again, my kids are young. I, it's my responsibility to, uh, they're not at the age where they can make those kind of decisions for themselves yet, and they're not prepared to, and we have a lot of options. We don't live in Utah. And let's yeah. face it, when you, when you leave when your kids are really young, it's, it's a real easy sell. <laughs> uh, going to church as a kid is, for most kids, is really boring. Um, and, and the ideas that they teach... I don't know. It, it, it just seems like a, a really easy battle to win for most, most people. But getting, I think Matt made, made the most important point, though, is you, if your kids decided to go to the segregated school, you wouldn't shun them. Right, or it, threaten them with hellfire, or, or write them out of your right, will. Right, and I think that's a really important difference. 
as you can handle it, you would be disappointed. Um, I think I would be just as subversive as Glenn would be <laughs> um, in subtle ways. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't put like a big brick wall or uh, put a big wedge between us over it. And I wouldn't needle them because I just, I just think that generates more resistance than it does. It depends uh, on how you do it, though. If you just say, "Hey, I have an honest question," I mean, why do you think God um, <laughs> doesn't? Why do you think? Why do you think God um, doesn't? think that uh, homosexuality is okay you know explain no, that to me no i think i think for a while you can do that but i mean you're talking to someone who has been through 15 years 20 years of this depending on when you start and my mom and dad and siblings are all still in and there came a point where i think they've like, changed though i think your older brother's changed has oh, oh no, no, yeah for sure you move the needle for sure but i I have a philosophy that that I think has come out of just my my training as a mental health therapist. People don't people generally don't want to be fixed, and they don't want to be tweaked, and they don't want to be nudged. They know what they usually know what's right in their heart of hearts. They usually are choosing something because they either don't know how to choose something else, or that's what they like. And for me. The way that I've come to define just genuine intimacy is where you're not trying to change the other person. You're just loving them, giving them unconditional love, and let them learn their own lessons. And if they ask you and they're genuinely interested, then you tell them, you know, you answer their questions. But you're not, you're not, I don't know, It's there's kind of this codependent enabling thing where now I need to feel like I need to build my sister up. Because really, that's kind of her job to do for herself, you know? What if your sister, who's TBM that you love dearly, posts something bigoted uh, about LGBT on Facebook and you come across it? Do you ignore it or do you respond? <laughs> Just a hypothetical it, here. Just a hypothetical <laughs> yeah. that happened to me recently. Yeah. Um, well, what's your relationship with her? Is it is it close? Are you guys close? Um. We're not super close, but uh, we like to think we're close. Yeah, then I mean, if you feel like you, if you feel like you, if you don't have intimacy, it's it's pretty much worthless or counterproductive to engage. But if you feel like you've got that type of relationship where there's some mutual respect, then yeah, you pull them aside privately, not on their Facebook page, and you say, "Hey, here's why that hurt me, or here's why I think you might be hurting other people." I just want you to consider that because I love you and this means a lot to me and take it or not, but I just wanted to share that with you. That's probably how I would approach it. That's probably how I should have approached it, but I kind of <laughs> wanted I kind of wanted the audience of the entire family, uh-huh. and, it, and I did get the audience of the entire family. Ouch. And it caused a little brouhaha, and uh, we privately kissed and made up uh, without agreeing with each other. But uh, it's hard for me. Like it, this has nothing to do with the church. This is just you being a bigot, and and it, like morally, it's hard for me not to um, respond to that. Now, privately, probably would have been better. But I kind of wanted to take the opportunity to express this sentiment to my entire believing family. Sure. Well, I can I can relate. I'm sure I've done those types of things in the past too. You know. Anyway, we should probably end it. <laughs> All right. Anyway, you guys keep 
keep doing what you're doing as long as you can do it because you're you know every soul is precious <laughs> <laughs> every sperm is sacred every sperm is sacred. <laughs> <laughs> i'm protestant i can wear whatever i want to in my john thomas <laughs> i could wear a french tickler <laughs> or a black mamba oh, you could a oh. black mamba uh you have to end with uh some things in life are bad they can really make you mad. Other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, don't grovel. Give a whistle, and this will help things turn out for the best. Everybody now. Everybody now. And always look, look on, on the bright side, side of your life. Okay, Heather, take it. <laughs> Awesome. Always look on the bright side of your life. Wow, it's legit. Life's a piece of shit. When you look at it, thanks, John. It was wonderful to talk to you. Thanks, Heather. Likewise, you guys are. You see, it's all a show. Keep them laughing. Thanks for coming on tonight, John. Remember that the last laugh is on you. Thank you for listening to Infants on Thrones. Infants on Thrones.